Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Kristen. We'd like to welcome you to the writer's story. Uh, we are starting to get a little fall weather here. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's been hot, but now it's going to get cooler, I think. Yeah, and cooler nights, which I love. I've started opening up, you know, the windows and a door at night and listening to the critters coming and going and uh, getting the nice, cool evening breeze. I don't love, love the darkness coming so early. I kind of enjoy that after dinner, taking a stroll kind of thing. And I'm going to miss that. But of course, it will come back around next summer. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. So we are um, really excited. We, it, was, we, it wasn't that long ago that we were here interviewing our friend, Betty Joyce. And now we get to interview our friend, Jody. Um about her short story collection that's coming out. And it's really fun to have so many friends having books come out. Yes, it really is exciting. Yeah, Jody, Jody Hobbs Hessler has been doing, churning out amazing work for a good long while. And this uh, is, this is her debut book, right? The collection of short stories. Right, and then she's got a novel following quickly yeah. behind it so we we may talk a little bit about both which is really fun and like betty joyce i've been lucky enough to be in a writing group with uh jody so i'm really familiar with her work so it's gonna be really fun to talk to her um and then you know we were just talking a little bit about short stories and uh have are you do you write many short stories <laughs> no is the short answer I have written, um, I have found them to be really, really, really hard if I decide I'm going to sit down and write a short story. My only success has come sideways, where in a sort of playful exercise of prompt or as as an exercise, a prompt that turns into a short story has, those actually have been a lot of fun for me to do. And I have gotten some nice responses from readers to those little pieces, but I still am kind of intimidated. And if I if I head into writing a short story square, like that's what I'm going to do, it's a, it's a catastrophe. They're terrible. Really overwrought. And how about you? Oh, I am pretty terrible at short stories, I have to say. I mean, I feel like it takes me as long to write a short story as it does for me to write a novel. And that yeah. is because I usually abandon it halfway and go, I'm a god, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the twist is. I don't know what the ending, you know, because you do have to end up someplace else in a very quick period of time. You know, it's yeah, it yeah, but it seems one like it you feel, feel like you have to go somewhere. And um, especially in mystery short stories, a twist is really excellent. Um, I've had some luck, and I've and I've and I've had some fun with flash fiction. Oh yeah, and that kind of takes some of the pressure off, you know, because you don't feel that there has to be such a big resolution, and you don't have to spend quite as much developing, you know, multiple characters or you know a big big scenario. You're trying to get in and get out very quickly, and so that somehow take some of the sting off maybe that's the playfulness that you're talking about yeah but my funny story is basically a lot of mystery authors do short stories and they do anthologies and mm -hmm. um, so you're invited to apply for something and usually it'll be like okay here's the subject matter 1920s london well by the time i think of something to write 
and maybe start it and stop. It, the deadline has passed. I mean, you know, it really is hilarious. <laughs> so I, this is a very long time ago, but I was invited to do uh, uh, to submit a short story for um, a mystery collection that would go towards uh, tsunami victims in Japan. Just to give you mm. how long ago this was. <clears throat> and I tried and I tried and I had a couple ideas. And finally I wrote to the author. I said, by the time I finish this short story, there will be another 10 tsunamis. <laughs> we will be, have moved. Like, I just could not, I could not get it across the finish line. And I just had to apologize previously that I wasn't going to be involved. <laughs> so I think that's my thing. I have lots of short stories that I sometimes start. But, you know, sometimes, you know, and we've talked about this before, you can start a project and you say, oh, this is going to be a short story. And then you start writing it and you realize, no, it's a screenplay or it's a novel. Yeah. You know, and yeah. That's a hard yeah. Thing. And it seems like, well, I'm, I'm really eager to talk to Jody about this because she will certainly have some good insight. Um, but yeah, it seems like short stories don't have some of the same kinds of um, story arc elements mm -hmm. that I'm accustomed to just working with in the course of telling a story. And yet, like you said, they do have to you know, they have to end up somewhere other than they began, and something has to happen, or there has to be some shift. Um, and it's, I mean, I think it's always um, true that as readers, we want to be surprised, but not surprised like, oh, that doesn't fit at all. Um, yeah. But more satisfied surprise, sort of, sort of like we thought it was going one way, now it's going another way. And where does the person does the person grow in it, or do they do they change? Do they have a realization? Um, you know, have they learned something? You know, that kind of stuff in, in a literary um, story. Um, you know, maybe the world isn't at all what they thought it was. Yes. Yeah. I feel that's quite common in the New Yorker. <laughs> well, you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Aliens? Whoa. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I think that's, that's part of what people look for. So if, if you were just to put like a scene up and say, it's a short story, um, that probably wouldn't be very satisfying if there really yeah. just didn't feel like there was any growth. Um, yeah. Or people didn't learn anything. So yeah, we can. Um, Jody is also a teacher, so I'm sure she's got lots of insights on onto this. And um, I do, I do have a, I do have a bio for her. Like we've never met her before, um, but of course our listeners have not met her. Um, Jody. Yeah. Hobbs, so tell us about Jody Hobbs Hessler. Jody Hobbs Hessler um, grew up in Virginia, splitting her time between uh, Richmond and the mountains outside of Winchester. And she lives here in Charlottesville. Her debut short, 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 short story collection, say that 10 times fast. <clears throat> what makes you think you're supposed to feel better is forthcoming from Cornerstone Press in October. So that's this month. Um, and her debut novel, Without You Here, is coming from Flexible Press in November. And uh, she teaches at Writer House and uh, reads for the Los Angeles Review. And uh, yeah, is a really delightful uh, writer and a member of our writing community. And um, yes, I can't wait to talk to her about her her books that are coming out. Yeah, let's give her a ring. Let's do it. Hey, Jody. Hey, Meredith. 
Hey, Kristen. Hi, Jody. It's great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I know this is a really busy uh, month for you with the book coming out and then another book not far behind it. So thanks for making time to chat. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. Talked a little bit, Jody, before you got on about our own efforts and forays into short story writing and admitted as we're not, it's just, it's hard. It's really hard, short stories. Yeah. So yeah. we're super excited to hear about your experience and how you've actually made made it work. And built a collection, yeah. which I, is not the same as just writing one short story. <laughs> yeah, it happened over a lot of time, cobbled together. And it's, it's funny how that they're all together in a book. And it seems like, I don't know, that that now it's a completed project. But each of the stories I sent around a ton of times and waited and got rejected and waited and got rejected. So it didn't, it didn't seem, it didn't seem destined. It didn't seem like any of this was guaranteed, you know, that it would be in a book later. So, you know, that's the, the writer's life is like going through persevering as you work toward the final product or getting a book what was, yes what was the process and, i was going to ask you of putting to them all together i i um i haven't read it all but you know it was great to read the first one and say oh i read that you know in our writing group and it had changed did you sort of say well all of these are similar because of the vibe of where i write or did you say to yourself i'm taking these 20 and these other five don't fit how, how did that work for you it's a good question and, and i think that there's so many different ways to compile a collection so th there are people that write us write a series of linked stories that all their similar characters or they all go to the same school or something keeps them together and then there are people that pick a theme a friend of mine wrote a great story collection where every story featured a swimming pool and it was the only thing really that linked the stories together. It was, it, and they were this, the swimming pools were all over the world. So it was, it was pretty great, but um, this one was more a mood and theme and region collection. So there, there are people that are struggling with connection and they're all living right around where we live. So uh, some of the neighborhoods recur, but, um, but they're not exactly neighbors. You know, they don't know each other, these characters. So that's kind of how I, I realized after a while that the stories that I was writing had sort, of, sort of felt like they were part of the same thing. There were a few that didn't, you know, there were a bunch that didn't, so they didn't make it into the collection. But when I was putting this together, the the final collection has 17 stories in it, but I, there was one version I sent around that had 10, another that had like 12, 14. So I, I kept reformulating, trying to figure out what the right balance was and, you know, so this one seemed to be it, which surprised me because it was the longest version. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Did you have that mood and kind of location connection in mind as you were writing them? Or did you just sort of discover that when you were assembling them? I think after writing for a long time, there's a little bit of, of both. I, I, I tried a long time ago, decided a long time ago to write where I am. Um, include real street names. They don't always obey the rules of the actual streets, and they, you know, the neighborhoods don't uh, always follow the same 
historical trajectories. There are things that I color outside the lines with, but it felt to me it would be easier to make sure that it felt authentic if if it really was real enough for me so that I'm always coming back to the same reference point. It, it's a weird way. I, I do another another thing like this when I'm working on a longer longer books when I when I'm writing novels and I I'll I'll draw the house that cool. they live in you know where the characters are in the most often and I'm a, I, I thank god I'm not an architect because none of these houses <laughs> make sense but like <laughs> you really think about it it doesn't work but but it means when they come in the front door they're coming into the same room every time mm-hmm. I write that they're coming in the front door when they're going down the hall they can't go outside from that direction they have to go the other way so so there's a, a unity that imposes itself on the whole which gives authenticity so it, it it increases the trust of the reader even though it's something they can't see that's so, so that's sort of smart. how i do that that is so smart i have a tendency to write a book and then try to make it fall into a calendar <laughs> i got a lot of pushback when you have to work with a copy editor and they were like um this is one of the longest weeks uh <laughs> like this 10 day week before you get to the weekend but I was like I need weekdays you know and the weekends everything shuts down in Williamsburg and then how am I gonna get the you know so I just needed her to keep going to the office and it was like okay well I have to insert I call that novel math there's a, there's all kinds of stuff you have to do when you're writing a longer piece that has to it has to obey seasons it has to and and this scene this scene that you wrote Back at the beginning of the writing process, when that time of the story was happening in the summer, is now happening in the winter, and you and you're like, oh no! So yeah, that I call it novel math. I'm not a big math fan. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. And you sort of are thinking like, I had one um, a scene where people were watching football, and but then I changed the season, and so someone kindly pointed out that in the summer there's <laughs> there's not football games, and I was like. Oh right. Okay, we'll just change the sport, you know. But it, it was it was funny. I just didn't I just kept reading it over and revising and just glossing over that completely. It made Absolutely. sense at one time. <laughs> right, right. And I think that's part of the revision process. We keep rewriting. So we we accidentally write things into the fabric of the story that that are wrong, you know, because we've worked fabric so long and we just stop looking at the big picture and see just the scene that we're working on and go, oh, no, no, she can't drive up to this kid's house when she's going to visit the other one. Like, it has to it has to be the other half. You know, that, that kind of stuff that you just stop seeing after a while. I had a protagonist take her um, babe in arms uh, back to the place of her own birth, which was some distance but not that far and then and then he was then an editor pointed out how come he's all of a sudden 10 years old to get there and he's 10 years old i'm like oh right it was a long trip it was not it was was odysseus it was odysseus that was a tricky trip i'll tell you what they were in just real hurdles along the way That is like, I mean, you know, because it probably at one point you were writing it about a 10 year old and then you were like, oh no, it's much easier to cart a baby around. And then you forgot and you're like, it makes total sense that he's suddenly 10. And yeah, exactly. It had to take someone else to go. Yeah, he had to be 10 in this scene. So all of a sudden he was just 10. (laughs) And the other was like, I'm not sure how that just happened. (laughs) 
So as I said, I haven't read all of the short stories yet, but um, one of the things that really struck me almost right away is what a writerly writer you are. Um, I just feel like you're, um, there's a lot of sort of imagining what's going on behind a door or in the next house or, you know, that kind of stuff, especially with the first first story, obviously, alone, where there's this, um, where there's a realization when a neighbor dies that they've never really had a relationship with the neighbor. And so there's right. almost this mourning of something that they didn't do when they had a chance, you know, and, and I just thought that was so fascinating because that really just reminds me of what it is like to be a writer. You're always listening in on conversations and speculating about the neighbors because that's what we do. We're storytellers and it's not like we're, you know, breaking into their house like your character does, but we, we, <laughs> we might as well be because, you know, that's what we've kind of imagined, you know, what's going on. And I remember my, my grandfather, who was a journalist, they would go out to, um, they would go out to dinner with my mom and her family and there would be a really interesting conversation going on. And he'd go, shh, shh, shh. And they'd all just listen. I've definitely done that. Yeah. I've definitely had dinner with my husband and uh, he'll, he'll see me just completely eyes gloss over. And he can like, tell not I'm listening, listening to me anymore. Something exactly. It's well, just so fascinating. Well, I'll also Especially... go, do you, I mean, do, do you think they're eloping? And, husband will be like what are you even what are you even talking? like he hasn't listened to a single thing or i'll say it very quietly like you should listen to what they're saying he's like you can talk louder i'm like no, I can't. oh no i can't <laughs> not right now now they know yeah, now they're right. on to us you know it's just the it's best just part is how you hear things out of context so it forces you to listen to what's being said rather than what's being meant and then you get to see all these different opportunities for what it what it could mean. So mm -hmm. there's about 10 different stories an overheard snippet can fit into. That's, yes. Yeah. I especially like not knowing why they're ranting about whatever random thing they're ranting about. Uh -huh. It's pretty great. Yeah. I mean, I think I it's also, hugely oh, disappointing. I was going to say, I think it's hugely disappointing that a huge number of people just go out to dinner and they look at a phone and they don't have a conversation. So we can't steal. We can't their <laughs> How dare stories. they? How dare they? How dare they? Anyway, what were you going to say? Jenny? Give us some juicy tidbits. <laughs> My husband says remarks on how easily I, as he says, make friends with people or meet people. And I think it's just that, I mean, I've said to him, I'm just so interested. I want to know about people's lives. I'm so curious how people land where they do, what motivates them, mm -hmm. what they're scared about, how they grew to be who they are anyway I just I just love learning those things <laughs> right right and I, I also love like in the in the spirit of that and in the spirit of oh, eavesdropping I love like being at the grocery store and someone but you're in line and someone behind you is running into someone they haven't seen in three years and they're just full voice talking about what's been going on in their lives and they're all of the accoutrement of like telling a story is there but there's no plot. There's no, there, there's really not a lot of action. It, there's really not a lot going on. It's just two people that care about each other, telling each other things. And yeah. there's something that I love about that. Just this, the, the real stories that people tell are pointless. <laughs> you know, most of the time <laughs> they're, they're all about the connection, not about the content. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, the worst thing and is your stories reflect that. 
these stories reflect that observation, which is really beautiful. I've yeah. got to say that the worst thing, and, and you, you've, I know you've taught a lot, is when you have a student and they go, well, this actually happened. <laughs> and you go, the non sequitur. Okay. Well, but that doesn't mean interesting. it's interesting or right. deserves to have no fictional sort of, uh, you know, thing, you know, and also it, it doesn't feel real. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's like, even it, like, there are times that something happens. I mean, they say truth is stranger than fiction, because it is. But that means that you have to work hard to earn the truth. You yeah. can't just throw it out there. Yeah. In in the first story, you know, it's about, I don't want to give too much away, but I guess it's given away in the first couple paragraphs that a neighbor died. And the way they found out is because no one knew and they they could, it was gross. There was, it was smelling the decomposition of the body. And that actually happened in the neighborhood I used to live in shortly after I moved out. So it was a neighborhood that was very like that one, very close knit, very lots of kids playing together. And it was a really long time. Like I, I can't remember how long, but in my story, I went, cut it down to two weeks that it went mm-hmm. unnoticed. It was a lot longer than yeah. that. So, so that I felt like that would be really hard to believe, like that element of truth was just, I mean, gutting, guttingly sad. And it was, it was such a, such a contrast to how I experienced living in that neighborhood that that stuck with me as a story to tell. Like, how do you have this cluster of really uh, friendly people uh, amid this, with this guy in the middle of it who is connected to no one? It's just really Really hard. Well, you do a nice job of sort of explaining why and that he's not interested and he doesn't have a child and he's, so he's not in the in their time of life and he's very much online and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think it does okay. make sense. But I think what's really fascinating is it's not really about him. It, it's obviously about your right. main character and the sort of guilt she has, but also the idea um, of that time of life when you have small children that are hanging on you all the time. Um, almost a jealousy of this guy who could be all by himself and not have to have people yep. constantly knocking on the door and all, this, and all the things that she probably really loves on a, most of most days, but it's just sometimes too much. <laughs> right, right. I know that when my kids were little, I had this, um, do you remember, there's that cartoon in the paper, the comic um, Baby Blues. There was one of the dad comes home from work, the mom is at the at the um, at the sink, and he says something about where where are the kids or whatever. And she's like, "What do you mean?" She turns to him, and they're like hanging on her back, <sighs> oh, you know. <laughs> so it just like to me, there it would it had a better punchline. It had a much much more build up or, or whatever than that. But but it was just like yes, they're always there, <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it so much. But I could there were moments that I could identify with my main character who just kind of wanted her own space a little bit. She wanted all of it, but she wanted her own space too. Right. And I, and I mean, I think that oh, there's always this tendency to be like, well, all your characters are you. And it's like, yes and no. I mean, I think a lot of the fun is to write about a character that's not so much like yes. you. Absolutely. That there's not an element, but like, what if you were a different person? What if you resented, you know, your husband's, um, job and the kids for being on you, whatever. And and that's a really right. interesting point to put yourself in because now you have kind of an intriguing story to tell um, something you can dig into some tension. Yeah, I, th- I think a great 
way to enter a character is through the thing that I can relate to the most. And then I can put in things that I relate to the least and still feel connected to the character story and, and figure out how to see it from that position a little better. So there, so there's always a bridge to something I understand, but. Right. I mean, another character in another story is just gotten out of prison for um, a hit and run and, you know, knowing you, I'm pretty sure that you're not an alcoholic and that you've never been to jail and you've probably never hurt anybody badly with your car. <laughs> so like, how do you enter that character? What was the connection that you felt to him? Like, was it something about regret for something you might've done or something you, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one was a, that one was a fun one. Like that character I really, really liked. I mean, like personally, like as a, like as a having him in inhabiting his character, it was really interesting for me. Um, we, we lived for a long time in a subdivision that's kind of tucked up pretty much behind the regional jail. <clears throat> so you'd kind of see people when they leave the jail. And I don't know if they've changed this since we were over there. They don't take you anywhere. They just open the door and you just walk out. There's no public transportation there. They're, they're hitching a ride. Like it took me a while to figure out who it was. They're hitching a ride on like, you, you know, the street, Avon street extended. It doesn't go anywhere. You know, it's not a street like that that you take unless you're going to those neighborhoods. I mean, you can eventually get other places, but it's not. So I remember seeing hitchhikers a bunch of times and thinking, what, they're, what are they doing there? And I realized, oh, that's 100 yards or so away from the jail. So they're not right in front of the jail when they're hitching a ride. But it, but they were also then another 100 yards and they'd be maybe a little more than that. They'd be at a city bus stop, but they didn't know that because they aren't from here. They're being released from jail. So so there was this sort of constant interaction and you would see people doing their day release work and things like that. So there was this presence of that. And then unrelated to that, there was a day that I was taking the kids somewhere. They were little and I I ran a red light. So it was terrifying. I'm pretty sure it had just changed that there was, you know, this was like this one moment where you're, I, you know, don't know what happened. Um, there, it was two miles from our, where we turned onto this one road until you get to town to the first light. And I would just kind of go into the alpha state and just be kind of driving along and, and then realized that I had run this light and in, I've got my children in the car. So there was this feeling of, Oh my God, that could have been, that could have mm. been the worst thing that ever happened to me that, you know, it could have been, I'm pretty sure that it was like within a split second, I'm pretty sure the other light hadn't really fully turned green in the other direction yet. So, so, you know, like <clears throat> all with a grain of salt, but my imagination went to the worst case scenario and pretty quickly after that picked up on, oh my God, how would you ever survive yeah. doing something like that, causing that kind of harm? So that character sort of grew out of that and another story that I'd been sort of tinkering with separately became that one. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's, that was, you know, a lot of like, uh, fear, mm -hmm. fear doing harm, you know? Mm -hmm. So before we started talking, Meredith, uh, I mean, Jody, Meredith and I were talking about, um, in a short story, something has to change. Something has to happen. How do you do that? How do you build that? Or do you already know what that's going to be? And then you develop the character in order to make that believable. How, how do you do that? It's a good question. I, I think it's different for every 
story too. And it's not always clear to me exactly what changed sometimes, ah, but, you know, yeah. but I know something has, I, I was talking to another friend about, about putting a story together and thinking of it like a chemical equation, you know, where you're balancing the equation. So there's a little bit of this here. So you need a little bit of that here. And they both sides of the chemical chemical equation do not look the same. You know, they're, they're all like assemblies of the different pieces of the elements. Right. But they're assembled differently on either, on either side. So to me, when a story is finished, there's this balance that doesn't look symmetrical, that doesn't look exactly the same, but it, it feels right. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of what I go for. And sometimes I think I know what the big thing is going to be. And that's what I'm writing toward and writing toward and writing toward. And then I get somewhere and I'm like, oh, no, no, that's that's what happened. It's this thing. This is where the person learned or changed or mm-hmm. pivoted or whatever. And, and that's that's the end. So I give up whatever I was heading toward. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So it's, awesome. it's sometimes it's a character that just comes in and has something to say. And then like I let them go and have let them have at and see what what happens and sometimes it's a like an event like i with with the the sorry enough story i knew buckley was a year out of jail for a hit and run pretty much early early on so yeah 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 um we usually ask someone to sort of talk to us about their writing story i don't know um you said you've been writing ever since you were a child did you, um, how, you know, when did you write your first book or your first story or how long has this been a dream for you and you've been working towards it? I mean, I, it's a funny thing because I've always, it's always been a, a part of how I think of myself, but definitely different times in my life. It, ha- it has occupied different amounts, um, different percentages of my time. <clears throat> so, so it developed over time. So when, when I was really little, I started to draw little scribble books and I would uh, staple them together and tell them like a story. And the the beauty of scribbled stories is that they can be different every time you sit down and tell them because there's, you know, it was before I could write. So (laughs) before I could write words. So there was a lot of patience involved on the, uh, you know, the adult listeners uh, there. But, but it was like somehow there was something about it. And I remember weirdly in, I think it was in kindergarten, sort of riding the bus for the first time. And we, we lived in a neighborhood that, we, that was sort of clustered with a bunch of neighborhoods and it was like three kids to a seat. So it was, it was a crowded bus. And I just remember, you know, being five and painfully, painfully shy. And everyone around me is just talk, 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 talking, you know, and all these people talking. And I just remember being fascinated by all the talking and wanting to be talking, like wanting to have something to say, wondering what do people talk about? So I feel like that's part of why I write Hmm. something in that. And in in college, a couple of my really good friends were just the best storytellers, had this very colorful way of talking about things. And and their voice was, like hearing their voices always, you know, still, it's just so energizing for storytelling. They're so full of character. So, so all of those things. And of course, reading um, and finding, finding books that challenged me. And, you know, I remember like in fifth grade reading uh, Call of the Wild. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I shut the book and it was like, 
I knew it was better than any book I'd ever read. And just, I don't think I read another book for a month and I don't think I wrote a story or anything for at least a month mm-hmm. because I'm like, I, I became aware that that's not what I was doing. You know, mm-hmm. I was not writing that. And that, that was, you know, a, a very crystallizing point where I could see what excellence was. I did try to read that story out loud with my own child. She did not like it. Oh. <laughs> did not turn her lights on. So, uh, so that was, that was pretty funny. There's always that phenomenon though, when you read something to a, a kid, um, that you remembered so clearly as a child yourself and it is nothing like you remembered and it's nothing so, like it. so funny. Um, you know, and sometimes it's, it's not that amusing because you realize, wow, this was racist or, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, that there's just certain things, but they were, you kind of just skirted over that part as a kid and you went to yeah. some kind of meet, but your kid is looking at you like, what is wrong with you? Why would this ever resonate with you? And it's, it's so fascinating. Um, exactly. I, I was convinced that I had read certain books and I think, um, I think it was like great expectations. And we had, a um, one of those ones for children and you miss a lot of nuance with Dickens when you read <laughs> the cliff notes version or whatever Absolutely. it was that I read, but I was like, Oh, I've read that, you know? And then, you know, well, I don't actually think that I did actually read the, read the It was one. funny. I think I read that in like ninth grade and I remember coming to Dickens again as an adult, you know, maybe 15 years ago, because I hadn't really realized how much, how great he was. Um, and he's funny. He's so funny. And I just don't remember finding anything about Great expectations, funny. Well, and, and then sure like, I would now. Yeah. So my family had my dad, my grandfather had a tradition of reading him aloud, and um, oh, nice. and my mother would do that with us uh, with a couple of different books. And so I was pretty young when I heard some of them, like The Hunchback of Notre Dame, not Dickens, but a couple of books like that, which are too hard for you to read. But when someone mm-hmm. is taking you through the story reading it out loud do you somehow find these connections to it and i just thought of hunchback of notre dame is so romantic or whatever we had this black cat and we named her esmeralda until we found out that (laughs) she was a he and we had to name black panther instead but we were like esmeralda is the most beautiful name in the world and just very and then reading that later i was like this is not what I remembered at all. I guess I was just laying on the floor and just letting my mind go as opposed to hearing every single word. So interesting. Yeah, half dream state, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being in Paris, what's wrong with that? And my black cat just wandered into the room as we were talking Happy about Halloween. Oh. <laughs> yes. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about what's next in November. You have your first novel coming out. But that's next November. Oh, that's next Thank November. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. We'll yeah. No, <laughs> I think I, mean, I think my, I I think like, my head would explode. You're so busy. Okay. Well. <laughs> I think my head would explode. Yeah, it, it's it's the following wow. November. But but it's a small press and they've already done like we already have a mock up of the cover and everything. So it's pretty pretty exciting. Well tell but, us about so that have, for anyone who wants to get excited about next year. Yeah, so so the novel is is um it's it's about a family. So there's an aunt and a niece that are very close. They, they have a lot of, you may have read some, I can't remember if I brought any of this into the, uh, it, it, 
it doesn't follow a, a sequential timeline, so I might not have brought it into the to the uh, critique group because it would be too hard to do it out of order because you're keeping track of a lot. So, but it's it's an aunt and a, and a niece, and they're very close. They're both very sort of ethereal by nature, sort of uh, a little flighty, a little a little unstable, but they're also just in love with life and having really sort of a zestful approach to things. But they're alike in really peculiar ways. The look they look alike and act alike in, in all of this. And so they're they're really resonant. And the aunt is much younger than her two two adult siblings. So kind of almost like a sibling and a half sort of thing. But the aunt also struggles with mental health issues and commits suicide when the niece is about seven or eight years old. So the story kind of goes around and around in time where we go forward and backward and stay, keep the pressure on that, that moment and show how it, how it shapes this uh, young woman's life as she grows up and sort of sets her up for a, for a dangerous marriage. And like, will the, the question of the novel really is which part of the heritage of this relationship is in the end is the part that they loved each other so much or the part that they shared this sort of damaged part. So that's kind of what the novel explores. Wow. So next November, you can look for that. Yes. <laughs> but this October, <laughs> your short story collection. And yes. um, you're doing some events. I know um, um, what uh, makes you think you're supposed to feel better. You're you're doing a, a one locally at uh, New Dominion. Yes. Yeah, so that will be at New Dominion October 27th at 7 o'clock. And then I'm doing, they have a Book meet world book Meets World series at Revelation Vineyards in Riva, so it, which is about a, a little less than an hour away. And I'll be doing a, a reading there on November 3rd. And then I'll be in D.C. on November 14th. We're still working out some dates for something in Richmond. Fredericksburg and I'll I'm trying to book uh, a ticket to go up to Wisconsin where the where the press is it's a out of the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point they're doing a November 9th reading sort of a fall launch which I'm really looking forward to but just realized today I was like oh it's really hard to get to anywhere in Wisconsin from here <laughs> none of the airports near us like to go there very often at all I so think, um, when I had to when I had to go to Madison, I think I flew to Chicago and I rented a car and drove. Mm, yeah. And then I was driving back by myself, and I went through this thing and I tried to I got off the highway and it was suddenly like throw, it they wanted seventy five cents, you know, and there was nobody working there and I scrounged around the car for all the change that I had. It was probably like thirty seven cents threw it into the thing and drove away and I was like come and arrest me so I'm still <laughs> I'm still wanted in Wisconsin um but I I was just like you can't do that <laughs> I'm from out of town <laughs> That's really yeah yeah so I, I was kept waiting for the bill to come from the rental car company <laughs> she's in arrears but I don't know maybe they don't count the change right away <laughs> right it, bro it broke the machine it's still jammed in I there I put something yeah. in there okay I did still something. waiting for 48 cents or whatever <laughs> right 38 yeah. I'm back there again I promise to throw more money in but I'm sure it's all electronic <laughs> now well, this has been really fun to talk to you, and um, I'm so excited for you to have 
this book and then the next one come out and um, all and your hard work and having all these stories come together and see them completed since I read them in there. Well, thank you. Process. Thank you so much. And thanks again for having me. It was great fun. Wonderful. Thank you, Jody. Well, that was just really lovely to chat with Jody and hear some more about her journey. Um, I just know she's been working on those short stories for, for years and years. Well, they are polished gems. I'm really excited for her that they all get out into the world in this way. I also have to say, I just loved her talking about her earliest forays into storytelling with the pictures, the picture books that she, it sounds like oh, she, she would narrate. Scribbles. Was, she's so darling. I think about what that must have been like for the adults in her life. To I, did, hear. I, I did something similar too. I would just write random letters and I'd say, this is a book that I read and then I'll read it to you. And, and that, <laughs> I mean, that, a lot of that shows just probably how um, much her parents read to her and, you know, I yeah. was read to a lot. And so then you felt like stories are in books and you read me a story and now I'm going to read you a story. But the whole concept yes. that they were written by somebody I don't know somehow that it's just an amazing moment as a writer, I think, to be that you go, oh, I want to do that too. And here's my yeah. first attempt at it, you know. So, yep, yeah. Such fun. Um, yes, it was just delightful to talk to her. It's so much fun to, to talk to friends. It's really fun to talk to somebody that we don't know well and learn about their story. But there's so many things about Jody that I don't know, even though we've known her forever. So, um, yes, it was a really, it's really fun conversation and I'm super excited for her and we'll have a link obviously to her website so you can check out any, any of her events. Um, maybe you're in Wisconsin and she'll come, <laughs> come yeah. into your town. <laughs> uh, well, we're lucky to have her in town and, um, I'm lucky to have you in town, Meredith. It's always a pleasure lucky to, to have you back. <laughs> good to be back good oh my gosh back. yeah good to be back. so oh, many travel a little more traveling than i'm comfortable with but shoo, settling in again and into fall and looking forward to our next month and another guest another yeah. conversation awesome well happy writing to you and i will see you next month sounds good bye for now